Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. You won't use this message because you're a cowardly, spineless piece of shit. You're a lying, lip-tarted bastard, Jesse Dollarmore, you fat fucking garbage piece of shit. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is... I Doubt It with Dollamore. Here we are, refusing to play messages from haters since 2015. <laughs> Welcome to the show, episode 454 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I'm your host. That uh, aforementioned scared one, Jesse Dollamore, and I am joined today by the lovely, the talented, the scholarly, the flu shot inoculated, Brittany Page. Yeah, can I just say that that shot really messed me up? I know mean, you've been you've been like dragging your arm around like Quasimodo. Well, oh, my arm, y'all. Okay. I mean, it's it's not quite that bad. But oh, it's that bad. I can't sleep on my left side. I can't. No, it's not quite that bad. I'm just completely disabled on one side. I tried to put the pizza, the leftover pizza in the back seat today and couldn't. <laughs> I almost dropped it on the floor. <laughs> um. So, yeah, I what got. What is wrong with you? I got the flu shot yesterday and I'm still pretty effed up from it. So, it's serious stuff be ready when you get it so effed up you can't even (laughs) pronounce the word fuck that's that's pretty bad i know it's really serious so we want to take a moment to pressure everybody into going to get their flu shot absolutely i will be getting mine this week yes it is very important for many reasons uh let's talk about some of them uh, more than 80,000 Americans died of the flu in the winter of 2017 to 2018. The highest Hang number on. in over a decade. Yeah, let's talk about that number. Mm-hmm. 80,000 people. Mm-hmm. That's almost the size of the city in which we we're sitting right now. I mean, that's that's the size of a decent sized small city in America. 80,000 people from the flu, from the flu. Right. And people think of the flu as not being serious. And generally, that's the case if you are a... Uh, a robust individual. Yeah, healthy and young and spry, right? Generally, that's the case generally, if you're young generally, and spry. Yes, um, because... Of those de- deaths, 90% were people over the age of 65. Mm-hmm. But it also included like 180 young children and teenagers. So that's that's kind of what we're getting at here when we talk about why the flu shot is important is for herd immunity. That's right. Particularly for those vulnerable populations of 
young babies and older people yes. like Ruth Bader Ginsburg and <laughs> yes. and also the immunocompromised. Immunocompromised. Right. People that have disorders uh, that affect their immune system. So you might think, oh, I never get the flu or... Oh, it's $20 to go get the flu shot and it hurts for two days. I won't be or, able to sleep on my left side. Or like I used to, and mm-hmm. I've said I've been dumb enough to say this, even last goddamn year, and I was chastised by the listeners, did a little reading about it. Mm-hmm. And you know what? When the when when I my understanding of the facts changes, I change with that. Um I said that every year that I've gotten the flu shot since I've gotten out of the Marine Corps. Or since I started getting a flu shot, I get the fucking flu really bad. And I didn't equate it to, I wasn't like, oh, it's giving me the flu. I wasn't (laughs) like that. But I thought, what's the use of getting the flu shot Uh if I'm just going to get the flu anyway? And that is it. It's it's herd immunity. It's Mm -hmm. the fact that, one, you might not get the strain that they're inoculating against. Mm Mm-hmm. But moreover, and more importantly, isn't about me, who's healthy and spry and robust, or whatever words you use. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, it might be for the kid who has leukemia who can't get a flu shot. Yeah. It might be for the elderly person who could fucking die mm-hmm. if they get the flu. Well, let's also talk about how easily the flu can spread, because it's really disgusting. And Now we're getting into your bread and butter. Yeah, people... Who- <laughs> People who want to make fun of me for my tendencies. Uh, my Are you tenden- trying to guilt me right now? What's ten- happening? Tendencies related to my concern about germs. That's one Just way to Just a mild concern about germs sometimes. Okay. Uh. You can catch the flu. Um, from someone who coughs, sneezes, or even talks to you from up to six feet away. What? Are you really? Are you just saying that, or is that real? No, this is real. This is in a New York Times Upshot article. Um, From talking to someone, sourced very well. Listen, this puts close talkers, my <laughs> fear of close talkers, yeah, yeah. in a whole new ball game. Yeah, it should. Even six feet is a close talker. You're like, you know what? Could you could you take a few steps back? You're you're within the six foot range. Exactly. Just raise your voice up a little bit louder. Yeah. Well, think of a plane. <laughs> Think of someone getting on a plane with the flu. I'd rather not. Okay. Um, You can infect others a day before you show any symptoms and up to a week after becoming sick. Mm. And children can pass along the virus for even longer than that because they're gross little creatures. They are too, man. Oh, my God. So it spreads very easily, right? If someone coughs or sneezes in public around you, be concerned. (laughs) And not just on flying test tubes of pestilence uh-huh. airplanes regular life yes i, I mean you, you you could be standing in line in the movie theater mm-hmm. and be within six feet listen this is this isn't good news i'm going out not tomorrow but i'll be going out tuesday yeah it might be too late for you by then <laughs> <laughs> i'll just make sure i'm not waiting in line with anyone to get the flu shot yeah i think that's going to be impossible but good luck with that there was a line for you there was a line for me. And, you know, they try to at the pharmacy, they try to hand you a pen to fill out the form. And I literally said out loud, I'm not touching that. Pen. You, you I did, really said that? Yeah, I didn't mean to say it out loud, but I said it out loud. I said, I am not touching that pen. And I went digging through my purse to find my own pen. Wow. And I kind of like uh, tossed it off the clipboard without touching it, like uh, batted it away off the clipboard. <laughs> you use the clipboard as like a. 
Yeah, like a striking device. I'm not like using a shield. I'm not touching the pen at a pharmacy. Are you kidding me? Yeah, oh yeah, especially at the check-in. Yeah. At the check-in where all the disease is. Yeah, there's no way I'm doing that. <laughs> you probably have something now because you touched it. I you didn't touch it. You were there in that area before the flu shot. You know, but I I know what smart people are thinking right now is Brittany, you touched the clipboard. That is true. <laughs> uh, checkmate. Okay. I, I know what smart people are saying. Yes. Right now. Thank you. You defeated me. All right. Well, listen, that is all good. This has been our public service announcement. We'll see you next time, everybody. Uh, let's get to, I'm sure, the topic that is really weighing down on people after this last week. Um, and no, I'm not talking about the Kavanaugh situation debacle. I'm talking about uh, reclining seats on planes. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) We got got a lot of feedback on it, and not all from the larger statured among us like me. Mm -hmm. We got got an email, a voicemail from several different people. And I don't know why I'm delaying. We'll just get right to them. Hi, Jesse. Hi, Brittany. It's Chase from Virginia. I am the guy who's five foot nine, and I know that is the average height for a guy in the United States, but I just want to let put my two cents in. If I am in a seat in the airplane, I'm not going to retire my seat, not for the reason of, I don't know what I'm doing. It is because when, as somebody as my stature, I'm not going to be needing that much space, whether I like it or not. That is something that small people like us or average people like us take for happiness. We have more space because we have less space ourselves, if you could believe that kind of logic. I can get my dad and my brother are six foot plus, and they need as much legroom as possible. And I can understand why, because their leg, legs are long and they, they need a place to Search the legs out because if they're it's too too short, they get sleepy and when they stand up, they just fall right over. <laughs> <laughs> but that that is my two cents on the issue of airplanes and those big legs and tall dudes. Love the show. This year, Brittany is the best part. Love Bye-bye. the show. Brittany's the best part. This Bye. year? <laughs> Not all previous years, oh. just this year. It's a disclaimer, Brittany. Oh, I appreciate that. He's been a little, uh, a little, uh, giving himself some room yeah. on that. Well, yes. I appreciate it. You know, listen, I want to, I want to again say, I'm not saying every, never you should re- recline your seat. I'm saying if the comfort you are to derive from reclining your seat is to be estimated less than that of the discomfort of the person behind you, then be 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 cool, man. Don't recline the seat. That's all. If you got a fucking kid behind you, recline away, man. If you got a you know someone smaller, eh. or do like other people have said, and you ask, hey, is it going to bother you if I recline my seat? And then if they say yes, and they're going to be you know pissed off because they had to say yes, then eh, fuck those people. <laughs> they should be stronger. Oh, they should be bolder. Mm. All right. Thank you for the call. We appreciate it very much, Chase. Greetings, Jesse and Brittany. It's your potty-mouthed correspondent from the UK, Wania. Um, 
And I would just like to talk about something you spoke, well, Jesse spoke about in the last episode, which was people reclining their seats on fucking planes. <laughs> now, me and Jesse share something in common. I'm six foot three. I'm a bit heavy. Um, How dare you? But the thing that really annoys me is on our last flight, when we took our daughter on holiday to Tenerife, where we strategically placed one of your stickers in a foreign country, um, we walked on a plane and I looked at everyone looking at us. Oh, young couple with toddler. This is going to be a fucking clusterfuck. So I was very conscious of the fact that we were travelling with a toddler who was probably going to kick off at any point. So... I was doing my best to be considerate of all of my fellow passengers. We tried to get our daughter asleep nice and early on the flight because it's a four-hour flight. So hopefully the entire time was spent her being asleep. Um, we got her to sleep. I've managed to fold myself because you have to kind of concertina yourself <laughs> into these chairs on these bullshit tin pot flights. So I'm there in my seat. Arms all folded up, legs all folded up like I'm doing some sort of weird tantric yoga. And, uh, yeah, I'm sitting there having a good time. I get my iPod out, start listening to my favourite podcast. Got my wine on my tray table in front of me. And then without warning, boom. The cunt in front of me reclined without <laughs> even considering what's going on behind. Wow. Now, my tray table's come at me like one of them big blades that they use to cut people in half in magicians act i'm sat there i've got my tray table in my gut my wine is about to fall over my my electrical device and i'm like are you fucking serious and i'm not like jesse d i'm not diplomatic in public i reach over tap the person on the shoulder and say could you turn around and have a look at my position please <laughs> they turn around and go oh i'm really sorry i didn't realize I've got a tray table in front of me. I've got my wine <laughs> being pushed into my chest. I've got my iPad into my head. And they're like, oh, I didn't realise. So can we just have a hard and fast rule? If you see that there is someone behind you, do not recline your table, your, your, your chair, without actually saying, do you mind? If there's no one behind you, fucking have at it. But until you actually see that it's clear or you get express permission, and especially if it's a big dude who's got a fucking lot of issues going on right there with that flight, <laughs> don't do it. Issues. Anyway, that's my rant over. That's three minutes. Brittany's always the best part. Love Bye. the show. Brittany's the best part. Oh, my God. That's this amazing. This is one of the reasons why I have an affinity and a love for Wayne. Wayne is a passionate man about many topics. Not just politics and government and equality. Yes. Uh, but also things that are close to my heart, too. You know, the yeah. important <laughs> stuff like airplane seats. Yeah, that is a that's a wonderful story. And I love that Wayne tapped them on the shoulder. Um, that is fantastic. I also don't think that that's like an inconsiderate or negative thing to do. He kind of painted it as a negative thing. I think it's actually really great because you... I mean, you didn't grab them by the throat and tell them to turn around and look at oh, so what you have going on. If you don't grab them by the throat, that's the barrier. Everything else is is fair game. Good to go. No, no, no. I'm just saying that <laughs> that it wasn't that intense. And yeah. he just politely said, hey, can you take a moment to consider what's going on around you? And I think that many people deserve that suggestion on a regular basis yes. as well. So it's good that he took the time to do that.
Wayne, thank, thank you, you Wayne. for the call. We appreciate it. Also, thank you for the messages that we receive from your daughter harassing Jesse. Those I, make our day. I am indeed the Yankee ginger sausage. Yes. Hi, Jesse and Brittany. This is Marissa. Uh, just calling in about the uh, reclining seats in the plane. Jesse, you've met me now. You know we're about the same height. On a trip to California, uh, my first one, not the most recent one, I w- was stuck with a window seat. I had a man spreader beside me, and I had a guy who was not only fully reclined basically into my lap, but constantly bounced. Like, he would sit up and then bounce back, like, almost like he was trying to push it back further. And I pretty much was trying to read a book while halfway into the actual window area, and I very politely asked him if he could stop reclining so far because I was just so uncomfortable. So he just bounced back more. So I definitely empathize with the people who hate that and the people who are vertically proportionate to having that problem. Um, I think I, any chance I get to pick a seat where it's the exit row or the bunk you know, anything that has extra room, I'm going to take it. And I always sit on the aisle, but there are some times where it just can't be avoided. So long story short, I I understand and agree and am not a big guy. So I'm on team classy laid right there. (laughs) Team tall laid, I guess I should say. Thank you. Love you guys. So I also thank you for the call, Marissa. I also had an experience with a man spreader and all this reminded me of my experience with the man spreader because I think it was in like 2011 or something. I mean, it was it was a while ago and I took a picture of it. It was one of my first Instagram photos, actually. Was it really? Yeah. Wow. Um, because I think I didn't know what Instagram was for. It's for food pictures. Um, <laughs> at least that's how I use it. <laughs> I use it to look at other pictures of food and to post pictures of my own food. Yeah, Facebook and Twitter is where you shame people in public. Yes. Not Instagram. That's more of an innocent venture. Yeah. Um, but in the beginning, I didn't know that. And so I took a picture of this guy and his leg was over into my seat. So if you're looking forward where they keep the magazines in front of you, yeah, yeah, yeah. his knee cr- had crossed over that line quite a bit into my territory. And then not only that, he was taking up both armrests. I was in the middle seat. Yeah. Which the middle seat gets the armrests. That should be the rule. Yeah. Because you're in the most uncomfortable position. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I like how we um, hit on the same point in a very different way. uh, Because when I'm, if if ever I get stuck in the middle seat. Why would that ever happen to you? Oh my, it's happened. It has. Yes. And it's fucking miserable. Yeah. I can imagine. It's, that's the worst. If someone reclines Uh and I don't get both armrests. Oh my God. Yeah, I it's it's one of those moments I kind of talk about going to have to call the fucking TSA because there's going to be an incident. I always talk about how (laughs) my godfather's advice to me over the years has been um, that I will never regret being kind to others. I don't he says it in a very like artful, very meaningful way. Yeah, I'm not meaning to disregard it in such a shitty way. I'm he he really does say it and it is motivational and I should take it to heart. But um, what I regret more are those instances where I failed to tell someone to to fuck off and this is 100% one of those instances where I should have absolutely yeah. told this like I should have 
pulled away and tapped on his knee and been like, hey, dude, do you see that your knee is in my seat? Yeah, Are hey, you trying douche. to cuddle with me? What's going yeah. on? Get away from me. Are also, gonna, give me this armrest. Are you going to refund part of my ticket? Because now you're taking up part of my seat, guy. Yeah. Or just call him a cunt like Wayne did. Wayne or did. Wayne, Wayne imagined. Okay. Let's, Wayne fantasized about it. Yeah, all right. That's a you approve of that? You corrected it enough to where <laughs> I don't. I don't want you to malign. I walked it back. That's, saying that Wayne called someone a cunt is not maligning no, I, Wayne. I understand. Wayne probably on a daily basis calls someone a cunt, whether it be to their face or under his breath. Kay. Wayne can call in and test the veracity, but so, I believe that to be true. All right. So I, I, we might have new listeners <laughs> if this is your first episode, and you're like, "Wow, they keep saying that word a lot." Yeah, that's not normal. It's not normal. It does feel good, though. feels real good. Do you want to talk about your policy on the word? N- oh, that I never call women that? Yes. Yeah. Okay. That feels very uncomfortable for me. Not saying the policy, but the policy. Um, <laughs> but professional broadcaster here, everybody. Okay. Um, it just We're going off the rails here. I don't need to give a... Well, I just get nervous for, because we always forget that like new people join listening to the podcast yeah. at any time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and who knows? They don't They don't know the the way that things so are So we're sorry, here. Holy Father, if you're listening to the show. Yeah, exactly. If you found <laughs> I doubt it with Dollamore in between ignoring child rape, um, I don't always use that word. That's who I'm worried about. The Catholic <laughs> priests that are listening to the show. Thank you. Yes. Plot, plotting their revenge. Mm. All right. Uh, anything else? All right. Moving on. Hey, guys. It's Andy in Oklahoma. I just wanted to kind of make a comment on the airplane seats uh, issue. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a big guy. I'm 6'1", 200-something pounds. And so flying is not fun for me at all. Um, but just about a month ago, I took... Uh, or my wife and I took the kids on a Disney vacation, and so we had a couple of flights. And the first leg of the flight, we were on we were on American, uh, and it was I, I, the seats in that. I don't know if it was like a new model or or what, and I don't know why we haven't seen this before. But the seats, when you push the button and you try to recline, what it does instead of push the seat back back, what it does is it actually pushes your cushion forward. And then it pulls the seat back with it. So you are still reclining, but you're losing your own leg room. Oh, wow. And it doesn't affect the person behind you. In fact, what happened was the person in front of me reclined, and it gave me more leg room. So I was like, <laughs> hell yeah, this is the way it should be. <clears throat> in fact, I don't know how it's taken this long to come up with that idea. That seems like a pretty reasonable, uh, like the most brilliant minds should have thought of this at some point before now. But, Hashtag engineering. Uh, but of course, that was a 30-minute flight. The second flight was a three-and-a-half-hour flight, which it, they did not have those luxurious, wonderful seats. But um, anyway, so just a thought. I mean, so if anybody's listening that has any kind of connection to airlines, like, hey, do that instead. Um, <laughs> and then on the uh, Captain Marvel thing, just a quick uh, comment, like, I'm, I don't know a ton about the comics. I'm not like a super obsessive nerd or anything. And I think she looks like a badass. I think she, and seeing the previews and stuff, I, I mean, I, I am really looking forward to Captain Marvel. Um, to give the guy, uh, the, the, of course, obviously a lot of them go about the wrong way, but to give some of the nerds sort of a benefit of the doubt, uh, I, from what I've seen of the Captain Marvel character, she's very happy-go-lucky always cracking jokes, always being silly. She's kind of the comic relief of the kind of Avengers group um, and, like, the cartoons and the comics and stuff. So 
Um, and I don't, I mean, I don't know a ton about it, so, I, you know, I think this is kind of her take on the character. And again, she's a badass. I, I think it's awesome. I, I, I love it. I'm looking forward to it. But I think that that might be where some of that is coming from. So anyway, just a couple thoughts. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> that, he did not commit to that. Yeah. Bye. Yeah. I still liked it, though. Um, yeah, I get I get that with the Captain Marvel thing. I don't know anything about what the character is supposed to be because I don't. I didn't even know there was. I thought Captain Marvel was Shazam. I had no idea that I don't even this know was what even that a means. thing. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know anything about it. But um, I would say that Iron Man is like a funny guy, too. I don't know if he's supposed to be like that in the comics. I have no or idea. Or if he comes from a comic. But um, <laughs> he, in the movies, is like a funny, goofy guy. But in the like posters and stuff, he still is like sexy Robert Downey Jr. So he's not smiling and... Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, so yeah. even if that was her character and people are trying to put the smiling face on her because they want her to be the character, they aren't really doing that to someone else who's kind of a goofy character. Yeah, right. It's the same thing of people who say to women, or even I've heard it, why, why don't you smile? You should smile. If I walked around with a permagrin, I would look like a psychopath. I'm like, no, it's fucking weird. And if you have a superhero who's conveying strength and they have this big grin on their face like they're a greeter at Walmart, it's fucking, that's fucking weird. That's weird. Yeah, and who knows what kind of elements there are to the film. If you watch the preview, it doesn't really give a lot away. Uh, so there might be lighthearted, fun moments where she's goofy, but we're not seeing that because the preview is very limited. Yes. I mean, who knows what's going to happen? But the point is, she wasn't pleased with people photoshopping a smile onto her face after yeah. the preview. And yeah. I don't know. I think that that's fair. Right on. Yeah. All right. Andy, thank you for the call. And also about your conveying your stories. And also, like I said, during it, why I rudely interrupted your call, hashtag engineering, mm -hmm. you know, it's just new and improved all the time. So we should be looking forward to those types of things. Yes. Going forward. All right. Last call on the matter. Hey, Jesse and Brittany. My name is Travis from Reno, Nevada. Uh, I was calling in about a couple of things you talked about on episode 452. First of all, um, I'm a six foot four, 250 pound man, and when I fly, I know I'm going to be uncomfortable, and so I just I deal with it. That inch and a half in that stupid seat recliner isn't going to make a difference. I don't care how big you are, and when uh, someone in front of me reclines that seat, I too get seething anger like Jesse. Anyway, the other thing I wanted to talk about is uh, the Brett Kavanaugh thing with the uh, Having been in recovery for over 10 years now, I can tell you that um, honesty and uh, taking responsibility for past actions is a big deal. And when I listen to all this bullshit that goes on about people not taking responsibility, not even having the temerity to stand up and say, hey, I drank too much, I don't really remember what happened, I just don't understand that. I, I don't understand why people cannot be honest and take responsibility for their actions. Um, it's a big pet peeve of mine, and um, this whole thing with Kavanaugh, I just don't, you know, whether he did what he is accused of doing or not is beside the point. Simply lying under oath is enough for me for him to be disqualified. 
and um, anyway, it's very irritating, and I, uh, luckily, I, uh, I, uh, I don't know what to say, other than it's just so irritating. I don't get all fiery like Jesse, um, but sometimes I wish I could. Anyway, I love the show. Um, first time caller, and like I said, uh, I stalk you guys all the time online, been listening for a long time, so keep up the good work, and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, bye. Awesome. We Travis. love that. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, let me say this. Uh, he, he, Travis called before the vote. In fact, all of those voicemails were before the vote, so no one knew what the outcome was going to be. Now, we have the benefit or the chagrin of hindsight, we know, um, and it is a bummer. And I, let me say this about the the honesty and the recovery. Brett Kavanaugh or Bart O'Kavanaugh isn't in recovery. He is, you know, if he if he's an alcoholic, he's in denial. I don't know. I'm not going to make that judgment from afar. I've never fucking met the man, but... Um, he very well could have an alcohol problem. He very well could not have an alcohol problem. But um, he's certainly not being honest. I mean, it is, it is guaranteed proof, definitive, that he lied under oath. So I share your frustration very much, Travis. For sure. And not to go back to the airplane seat issue, but um, he actually touched on um, something that I highlighted, which is there's no real benefit to reclining. I mean... The comfort that you get from reclining yeah. is very minimal. In fact, it's like non-existent. I've, I've tried it, <laughs> yeah. and it really doesn't matter at all it's whatsoever. Like, there's none of the No one. You never hear this. Like they, they creak. They creak back, and then, oh, that's so much better. <laughs> yeah, you don't hear that. That's not a thing. No. <laughs> I think it's just one of those things people have in their head that they feel like they need to do that they f- they just feel like it will give them relief. Yeah. And they don't actually understand that it isn't providing them that relief. It's just in their head. Yeah, you're not sitting in a lazy boy, brother. But my least favorite people are also the people that recline before the plane takes off because then the flight attendants have to come and tell yeah. them to sit up and then they they always act like they can't hear the flight attendant like they ignore them the first time and then the second time they're like oh what oh i'm sorry i didn't know this is the first time i've been on a plane <laughs> uh yeah i'll put it right up right now you know imagine being a flight attendant and have to put up with that shit on every fucking flight yeah every single day right multiple times a day right uh anyway Thanks, everybody, for all the communication about the airplane shenanigans. Um, let's get let's get to an email, and then we'll get to maybe some more heavy landscape. Yes, this email touches on a few different things, starting with the airplane. All uh, right. But then we'll be away from it after this email for those of you that are like, please, Jesus, stop this now. <laughs> <laughs> for the priests who are listening. Hello, Jesse and Brittany. I'm writing in this time because I have several things I'd like to touch on from the last episode. First, tall guys on airplanes. I am a hashtag tall laid, but I'm more in Brittany's camp here. I know we are all going to be stuffed into this flying sardine can for hours together and agonizing about the dick in front of me isn't going to make anything better. My comment is actually about my dad, who is 6'4", around 250 pounds, and won't fly. Seriously, he will rent a vehicle and drive across the country to attend events before getting on a plane. In my entire life, I can only remember once when my dad flew, and to my knowledge, he has no fear of flying. It's the discomfort uh, that he feels on a plane. Wow. That's commitment. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Secondly, Jesse, can I get an amen? You talked about the part of the hearing where Kavanaugh was rude to Senator Klobuchar and Brittany mentioned that she was laughing and almost trying to make him feel comfortable. When Jesse responded to this with a comment speaking to the social construct that we women are accustomed to, I audibly and loudly said, yes, thank you. Uh, Listen, let me say this. Let me interrupt here because that is also what I do. Uh, That makes me feel good. Mm-hmm. That people are. I mean, we've had people call in and say, "I had to pull over and pause." I've had to do this and that, like interrupt the show because of something that was said, whether it be you or me. Eh, that's good. I like the reaction. Yes. I like hearing about that. Yes, it bolsters my self confidence. You know, it was it was waning. Yes, you need that. And I've got the boost again. That's good. Yes, the massage. Thank you, Carrie. I have, in many instances, presented myself as ingratiating and meek in order to not be accused of being bossy or aggressive. Also, the 1983 letter that Kavanaugh wrote to his roommates and was signed Bart instead of Brett. I wonder if this is his drunken alter ego. Beyonce has an alter ego she calls Sasha Fierce that she channels before a live performance. And I can't help but wonder if Bart O'Kavanaugh is the same thing. (laughs) Perhaps that's why he doesn't feel he's guilty. He wasn't Brett during those times. He was Bart. Hmm. And finally, the tax evasion within the Trump family. You mentioned that even as a toddler, Donald was receiving 200000 per year salary as a part of a tax evasion scam they were pulling. I actually happen to know a bit about this type of scam on a personal level. My ex-husband made pretty good money, certainly great money for the part of the country we live in. He and his coworkers all shared a shady accountant that would manipulate tax laws in such a way that he never paid taxes. Turning the household into an LLC and writing off everyday living expenses as business expenses and so on. I don't really know the details, but it always felt peculiar and dishonest to me. My ex-husband did not make Trump-level money, however, and in fact, he owed the IRS tens of thousands of dollars to which he paid a small monthly payment as a part of an agreement. It will never be paid off, as far as I can tell. Anyhow, just my two cents on the last episode. Love the show, and as always, you're both the best part, Carrie. I'm not sure if I like that (laughs) non-commitment. You gotta choose, everybody. Well, I also I I hope that I hope that I didn't come across as um, criticizing Senator Klobuchar without understanding what it was that she was doing. I don't think you did. I totally recognize that women are often in positions where they have to play along, especially with angry men. Yeah. In order to appease them and calm them and ensure their own safety. Also knowing that you're under the lens of the entire world on live television has to kick that up a notch. Well, and especially where when male anger is something that is legitimizing and female anger is something that makes women look hysterical or emotional. Yeah. It's not something that legitimizes them like it does with men. So there are these double standards where it relates to expression of yes. emotion. And still in 2018, goddamn right, it. Right. And women have to be more careful and more adept at playing that game. Yeah. And it's tragic, but... Uh, yeah, so thank you, Jesse, for pointing that out. Um, and thank you, Carrie, for that email. Yes. Uh, do you want to do one more email before we get to these other other voicemails? Yes, we have another email about Brett Kavanaugh. All right. And this is from Anonymous. 
Hi, Jesse and Brittany. This week has been really tough. As Dr. Ford shared her testimony, so many of us remembered our own trauma. I admit I had hope that enough of our senators would do the right thing, but I guess that shows how naive I am. When I see my dad posting derogatory things about survivors, my heart aches. Is it any wonder I never told him about my assault? Even my liberal, genuine, kind husband said, quote, well, there are women who lie about assault, too. It all felt like too much. I wish I had more to add to the conversation, but I don't really know what else to say. I'm heartbroken. I want to be optimistic, but I don't know that I can mirror Jesse's optimism. Not this week. I want all the listeners to know that I hear you and you matter. I believe you. This sucks. Go vote. Thank you both for keeping us going. Tons of love. Anonymous. This uh, this touches on something for me. Because I haven't felt as low as I've felt, as I feel, or as I've been feeling over the course of the last, since Saturday. Um, it seems like forever ago that they voted. Just like when Donald Trump was elected. This is as low a point as I've seen since then. And I can't be the only one. And I think that it 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 uh, it falls on all of us to reach out, whether it be like literally reaching out to someone, um, and I don't mean like physically with your arms, but you know, reaching out in communication and saying, "Hey, I'm here if you need me." Because if you're feeling down, you're not the only one who's feeling down. It's not weird to say, "Hey, listen." This has affected me too, very much. And if we need to, to 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 band together to support one another, then that's really what we need to do. Um, that would be the the sad guy in me. The other part of me is, God damn it, make sure you're registered to motherfucking vote. Make sure your neighbors are registered to motherfucking vote. Elections have consequences. This is one of those consequences and we need to turn it around right back on them. Yes. So I want to, I want to comment on the part um, of the email where she talks about her dad posting derogatory things about survivors and how she wonders, or is it any wonder I never told him about my assault? Yeah. And this reminds me of an article in the Washington Post this weekend entitled, Dear Dads, Your Daughters Told Me About Their Assaults. This is why they never told you. And that's powerful. We're really seeing the limitations of this whole um, as a father of daughters. Yeah, because that line used to be used as to somehow convey that men had a unique understanding of what girls or women go through because now they have daughters and they understand how they want their daughters to be treated. And because they had to have a daughter to understand how women should be treated. Yeah. Um, they want to like spread that knowledge around of, uh, and how they obtained it. But then things like uh, Brett Kavanaugh happen. Yeah. And they show their hand in this regard, that it actually doesn't matter if they have daughters. Um, And their daughters are reading their reaction to Christine Blasey Ford, to the whole Brett Kavanaugh ordeal. They're watching them in real time not believe a survivor of sexual assault. Right. Not only that, but also defending like reckless uh, behavior in adolescence. Yeah. And I mean, 
effectively doing the boys will be boys. Yeah, I'm trying to choose my words carefully, but it's almost an endorsement of like stereotypical uh, frat boy behavior. Yeah. Like the excessive problematic drinking, the chasing after girls. There's not an emphasis on respect in, in this conversation for women. There's not an emphasis on... <laughs> well, you know what's weird? what what is best for other human beings yeah. and how you should comport yourself even at a young age. So one one part of this article that really stood out to me was quote I have been thinking lately about taboos and how many of them exist because women don't want to make men uncomfortable with lady pain a broad spectrum that includes cramps breastfeeding the viscera of childbirth the achiness of menstruation some grown men still react to tampons as if they're grenades and as a result many grown women still furtively pass them between ourselves in shadowy corridors so nobody else feels awkward it's silly, and we must know this at some level, but if the mention of Tampax makes a man need a fainting couch, is it any wonder why we decide he's not ready to hear messier stories? I do declare. And I think that this is a fair point as yeah. well, where a, a lot... fainting couch. We're kind of starting to see where a lot of men fall on this spectrum. And in their reactions to Dr. Ford's testimony, in their reactions to Brett Kavanaugh's antics as a young man yeah uh we start to see what they endorse and it's problematic for a lot of people and not only is it problematic to see that but their daughters are watching yeah uh, can i point out you used air quotes when you said antics because it's not antics it's assault it's it's border it maybe criminal behavior well i'm i'm looping all of it in this yeah. this bubble i guess yeah. the excessive drinking the notes about trying to chase down girls the ffff yeah 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 um all of that stuff that has been accepted in male circles right the uh how much can you get over on your woman right um, yeah, like, i mean like I, they I, took the boat trip and he said Thanks for your discretion about the wives and all that. Right. I mean, all I'm lumping all of this together, which is why I'm trying to choose my words carefully, because <laughs> I am putting so many things in one box that I'm I'm kind of speaking in wide general generalities. But um, I don't know. I feel like I've been all over the place. No, so I'm trying to organize. You said is awesome. I'm trying to organize my thoughts, but it's very hard. But I, I think that what anonymous is saying here about her father is a really important point. And I, I hope that if it is necessary that people use their daughters to understand how their past behavior was problematic or how the behavior of their friends are problematic or whatever it takes, understand that it, it, it's this case too that your daughter matters and this could be why you don't know the things that she's gone through yeah. because you're not a safe person to tell now think of that yeah it, it seems odd to me that the same character you're, that you're describing would be the character that would would uh prioritize or or give extra points to men or boys who who protect women. They would, oh, I'm going to protect the little lady. I want my son to stand up for the ladies. But then, in the same fucking breath, elbow, elbow, yeah, I grabbed her ass. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she had too much to drink. I fucked her. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You can't have that both ways. You can't be a protector of the physically weaker sex mm -hmm. guy. Mm -hmm. And then also 
be the Joker, nudge, nudge, yeah, yeah, right. I got her. Right. It, it, it's incompatible. Well, that's why I think something larger needs to change in male culture. Yes. Fuck yes, it does. Where men kind of get together and talk about their conquests and reminisce about the good old days when they had a lot of blades. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm trying to use um, proper language. But all of this kind of plays into it. And it starts from um, a young age. And I'm not saying that it's all men, right? But this tends to be like the frat boy culture that I'm talking about. What you see in those letters with Brett Kavanaugh, what you see in his yearbook. Um, Where they're strategizing how they're going to, we're going to kick dudes out because if ladies want to stay with us, we're going to fuck them. Yeah, it's all of this is what I'm saying. Uh, I think it's, I think it's problematic to say the least. Yes. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, thank you, Anonymous. We appreciate the the email and the communication. As always, when someone feels uh, it necessary, to, we we know who Anonymous is, um, and we would never betray that trust. We appreciate the, the the. Sometimes there are things too sensitive that you're broadcasting to the world, literally to the world here, and we. We get it. We, yeah, we get it. We we honor that. It's risky and it's scary and for sure. And not not only do we appreciate you sharing it with the audience, um, we appreciate you entrusting us with your anonymity. 100%. Uh, it is a very important thing to us. All right, moving on. Hey, Brittany. Hey, Jesse. It is the infrequent caller, Jeremy <laughs> from Kansas. I'm actually moving right now. I'm still going to be Jeremy from Kansas, but I am uh, I'm in the process of moving. I'm on US 69 right now, going from Parsons to Kansas City. I'm leaving Parsons in the rearview mirror. But on the way, I stopped. I got gas, and I was looking at Facebook and Twitter, as one does, so that you don't have to look around at anyone and make eye contact, that sort of thing. And I noticed, uh, either on Facebook or Twitter, that uh, it's about the whole Kavanaugh thing, obviously. And it says that uh, Kavanaugh was nominated by a candidate who lost the popular vote by 3 million uh, votes, obviously Trump. The senators who voted no on Kavanaugh represent something like 101 million people. Uh, the senators who voted yes on Kavanaugh represent 141 million, uh, different to like 40 million or something like that. And I finally, finally, finally understand where Ainsley Earhart was coming from when she used to scream, or I guess she just did it the one time. What about the majority? To what about country. the majority? Okay, I'm the majority. So tired of protecting the minority. What about the majority? <laughs> I'm with you, Ainsley. What about the majority? It's fucked. Our system is fucked. We're fucked. Fuck. But I'm not fucked. Not any longer, anyway. At least, you know, that's what I hope. Getting the hell out of Parsons. Anyway, we're fucked. We're fucked. <laughs> Fuck. <sighs> that's not very optimistic of you, Jeremy. <laughs> In fact, it's quite pessimistic, We are sir. not fucked. We are not this is a bummer. It's a setback, certainly. Jeremy, a generational setback. But, Jeremy uh, spends too much time on Twitter, I think is the problem. Also, can I correct? It's we a hell correct. website. I think he got it wrong. 
he was because he's driving and paying, no, not wanting to veer off into into oncoming traffic. Uh-huh. He was saying that those who voted no um, in the Senate, like first of all, Donald Trump, who nominated these clowns, lost the popular vote by over three million votes. George W. Bush, who nominated clowns to the Supreme Court, also lost the popular vote. Um, so. They're they're nominated by someone who didn't really win the popular vote, and then they're confirmed by a Senate that doesn't represent the majority of the country. Now that listen, that's the system we have, and if we want to change, we need to rise up. But uh, it is the opposite. The, those who voted yes to not to to confirm Kavanaugh represent a minority population of the country, and those who voted no against him. They represent the urban centers where the actual fucking population act- is in the United States. Why couldn't Jeremy explain that while he's driving? Yeah, I know. What a dick. Come on. Come on. Get it together, Parsons. I Simple. mean. <laughs> Thank you for the call. It, it, it is a valid point. It's something that really we need to talk about relative to going forward in our country. And what are we going to do about the system that we have? The system that was drawn up, um, you know, 250 years ago, roughly. Weren't you talking we have about different needs? You were talking about a joke that you saw on Joe Rogan. Um, yeah, it was one of his stand-up acts. He, he made a joke about if if uh, if Thomas Jefferson was to show up on the scene right now, he'd be like, "What? You fuckers didn't write any new shit? What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. You've had almost three hundred years. Yeah. You got to write some new shit." Yeah, and he makes a joke all the time about how. When they wrote our constant, they were writing with feathers. Yeah. You know, it's so. It's true. It is. It's beautiful. It yes. It is very, very true. Yes. 100%. The laws and the, the, the anyway. Yes. Let's, <laughs> let, let's, let's move on. I think we have another email. We do. This is also from Anonymous. I have been trying not. A different Anonymous. Correct. I have been trying to not be glued to my phone and TV with Kavanaugh's confirmation, but it's hard to look away. My skin gets chills when I read the stories of why I didn't report, because I relate more than I care to admit with my name attached, which leads me here, my why I didn't report. I didn't report it because it was my spouse. If there is anything in this world I can be thankful for with the Trump name attached, it's that Ivana Trump addressed a a type of rape that I've never seen prosecuted. It was my duty because we were, quote, bound in marriage. God said so. I was also hours from my shuttle to the airport to leave, and my spouse knew that. So a last-ditch effort was made, even when I said no and tried to fight. I'm not in that marriage anymore. I really did leave the next day and stayed gone. I've met and married a wonderful human being since and have been working through this in therapy. Not many people know this story, and that's why I wish to remain anonymous. Anonymous. Wow. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Yes. Thank you for sharing. And it doesn't need to have your name on it to be powerful or influential to someone else. Um, the why I didn't report on Twitter is very intense if you read through those stories. But I think it's getting hard to look away. Uh, people are finding it more and more difficult to ignore the women that are raising their voices. And that's really the point of these movements is to get people to pay attention yeah. and to initiate some sort of change here. And it's been a year 
since the Me Too movement started. And I would say there's been some progress. Of course, this Brett Kavanaugh confirmation is certainly a setback in that regard. But there has been progress. And much of it is because of individuals like Anonymous here who are willing to share their story. You know, it's not even that um, it's getting harder to look away. It also... It's showing those who are unwilling to move forward with decency and empathy toward their fellow human beings. People like the, the fathers that we've, we've heard about who malign Dr. Ford. The men who discount them. Idiots like Don Jr., Donald Trump Jr., who I fear for my sons. Oh, it's so crazy right now. Rather than victims, they're taking the aside of people accused, credibly accused, over those who have been brutalized and victimized. They're, they're, they're letting it be known who they are. So th- th- there is somewhat of a byproduct there. Uh, a positive byproduct that we're seeing. So, again, thank you very much. We appreciate it. Hey, guys, it's Chris from Oklahoma City. I just got done listening to 453 and decided that today is the day that I'm going to call in. I don't have anything in particular about the episode to talk about except the Kavanaugh bullshit because today is the day he got confirmed But I just wondered if it's normal, because I'm feeling this right now, to feel like nothing we do matters. I'm trying real hard not to be completely negative, but it is really difficult because it's basically one shit show after another since idiot became president a couple of years ago and i guess i just called in because i need some jesse d and Brittany p (laughs) positivity to make me feel not so desperately hopeless about the situation this country is in i will end on a positive note though for the first time in my life After listening to the last couple of episodes, I've actually started listening to Earth, Wind, and Fire. Yes! Oh my gosh! I really like it. Oh! I mean, I was born in the 60s, so (laughs) that was music I should have listened to growing up, but I don't know why, but I never did, but now I do. So that should make Britney happy. Oh, I think it does. Anyway, just wanted to call and get that off my chest. And I hope you guys have a great week. And I gotta say it, Brittany's the best part. I mean, it's almost a requirement now. I'll talk to you guys later. Bye. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. It's not a requirement, but but I do appreciate it. Um, my mouth dropped, and I had a giant smile on my face <laughs> when you said that you're listening to Earth, Wind, and Fire. That is fantastic. Yes. Can I recommend a few songs? Um, on Your Face. On Your Face has been one of my favorites lately. Um, 
I often talk about Devotion Live with Robin um, yeah, in D.C. That's right. Um, my fellow Earth, Wind & Fire fangirl. And That's the Way of the World is another great one. Um, Saturday Night is good. Serpentine Fire. All right, so just the catalog. Well, no, I'm, these are like my favorite ones. So I'm giving the, I'm giving the good ones, all right? You know, how dare you look at me like that? <laughs> how dare you? Anyway, so it's good. Let me say, I was, it reminded me, as I stumble and trip and fall, and it reminded me that there's so much good music that people should dive into, like the entire catalog. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. But um, we appreciate hearing from Chris. And was Chris a first time caller? Yeah. Yeah. He gave the, he almost dropped like long time listener, first time caller. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think we kind of pushed the shame on people last time if they were listening and they had. We, we did. I think I did that. Yes. I pushed the shame. Oh, sorry. <laughs> it worked. We got to hear from some new people and it we love that. All right. Let's go to one final voicemail again. No shocker about Kavanaugh. Hey guys, it's uh, Team Ian. Uh, I usually call in with some jokes, but uh, I don't think that's really appropriate now. Um, I enjoyed your coverage of the Kavanaugh thing. I've been sort of quietly listening. Um, you know, I think there are a lot of people who agree with us that have some despair right now, but and they should. But there are a couple. There are a couple things that I think. Uh, I think there are a couple things that have been kind of rattling on my brain that helped me make sense of it, and I'd like to get your thoughts. You know, first are two statements of fact, at least to me, and then one is a sort of a suggestion. The two statements of fact is, one, there are no good Republicans, right, in terms of at least on the electoral scene. Like, we can never count on Republicans to do the good thing. We can never count on them to put... Um, put their party second or whatever, whatever sort of sort of line you want to use. And we need to stop falling for the Jeff Flakes of the world immediately. And number two, we have to also view the Supreme Court what it is. That's an illegitimate body. We have one seat stolen, Merrick Garland seat. We have a second seat now um, with a possible rapist, a certain perjurer, and appointed there by a rapist. So it, it's it's not worthy of our respect. And what I think now, the thing that we should be rallying behind, and it might be ex- the thing we should be rallying behind, and we should expect of our twenty twenty presidential candidates, hopefully even our twenty eighteen. Uh, congressional candidates is it's time to pack the court, right? Like it's going to be a thirty-year majority of extreme right-wing reactionary. All the Republican justices, save Clarence Thomas, are young, relatively. God help us if you know one of the old liberals die. Like there's there, it's we cannot play by the old rules anymore. Republicans don't. So we need to get inventive and we need more justices on the court because, you know, what's our alternative? 
Anyway, um, I'd love to hear your thoughts. You guys tend to be a little better, a little more uh, respectful of uh, norms, maybe say I. So I'd love to hear about it. All right. Cheers. Bye. I think uh, Ian's emotion is probably echoed by thousands of people out there listening. Um, I don't know exactly what he means because we didn't talk or anything. I mean, I didn't get clarification on his voicemail. But what I think Ian is talking about, at Team Ian on Twitter, friend of the show, get former guest of the show if you'd like to listen to that episode, mm-hmm. some bonus episode less than a year ago, mm-hmm. is Article 3 of the Constitution deals with the courts, the, judici- the judiciary. I've said that word before. Trust me. <laughs> Trust me. Article 1 deals with Congress, Article 2 deals with the executive branch, and then Article 3 with the courts. I think what Ian's talking about is the fact that the Congress has jurisdiction to organize the courts. So if we wanted 51 people on the Supreme Court, Congress could make that happen. I think that's what he's talking about. So we could reorganize this nine-member Supreme Court to be 11 members or 13 members. That way we could add and rebalance the the power. And listen, while I think it is, uh, it does make my skin crawl a little bit because of the rejection of traditions of 250 years, 240 some years, it might just be time to do that. I don't know that I'm quite there yet. Let's see. If we are able, unable to make any headway relative to removing this fucking liar from the Supreme Court, this nakedly partisan hack, Brett Kavanaugh, and there have been um, conversations had already on Capitol Hill about investigating these allegations because not only does Congress have the, 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 the duty, the obligation, and the authority to reorganize the court, it also has oversight and impeachment power over Brett Kavanaugh. He's not just lifetime appointed and there's nothing we can fucking do. There is a, there, there is a mechanism to impeach him, to remove him. And we might be there. I don't know. I do like to stay positive. I do like to adhere to to traditions that have faithfully seen us through terrible times. Obviously, mistakes are made along the way, but all in all, it's a good system. But Donald Trump has 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 brought in, ushered in a new era of politics in America that it isn't faithful. You can't trust, like Ian was saying, we can't trust Republicans to ultimately do the right thing when the right thing is fucking obvious. It's not that way anymore. Yeah, well, and I was talking talking to you about this, and I think it was um, probably not a good point based on your reaction, so I don't know why I'm going to repeat it here, (laughs) but uh, here we go. (laughs) So I, (laughs) I thought it... 
I think it's disturbing that we're able to pick out certain senators that are key votes based on the um, the likelihood that they're going to get reelected. Like, based on their risk. Like Joe Manchin. Right. That we can actually pick them out and go, oh, how are they going to vote? Because we know that their seat is at risk. It's not, oh, we know how they're going to vote because of their conscience and because of their past voting behavior. It's like, what are they going to do because they need to keep their seat? Well, listen, some of that, and maybe this is the same, I don't remember this conversation, you don't? Vividly. There's so much <laughs> going on right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, well, school me. No, and it's not schooling you. It's just there There are multiple factors to take into account. Now, with a guy Am I like, being a fuzzy liberal? No. Well, you're just being more ideological. Like, oh, well, I'm going to... I can't in good conscience vote for Hillary Clinton because blah, 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 blah. And then you end up with Trump. We don't want another situation like that. However, with a guy like Manchin... If you can't count on him when it fucking counts, then who cares if he's there? Who fucking cares if everything that's vitally important he votes with Republicans on? When when you know what I mean? It's if he's that if he's vacillating that much on the on the really important shit, then fuck him. We might as well have a Republican in there. Right. Yeah, I guess I'm not seeing how I'm making an argument about like the Hillary Clinton Trump connection thing cuz that's not necessarily what I'm saying. I'm not I'm not even saying, "Oh, we should just expect the Democrats to fall in line or the Republicans to fall in line." I'm just saying that we shouldn't be able to pick out these people that we need to figure out what their vote is going to be because their seats are at risk and that that's the primary motivation behind what their vote will be. Yeah. Even Heidi Heitkamp, who got emotional when she announced that she was going to be um, voting no on the confirmation. She's in a very tough battle right now. I tell you what, let's that's a perfect place to to go to the break. Over an hour into the show. <laughs> Let's go to the break. On the other side, we'll get into Dollamocracy. We'll talk about Heidi Heidkamp. We'll talk about John Paul Stevens. We'll talk about Mitch McConnell. We'll talk about all of this. God damn it, you guys. We love you. We're glad to be back after our little tiny mini break. You're the best. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like you by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it with Dollamore. Jonathan. Jonathan. Jonathan raised his pledge. That is fantastic. And then we have two new Patreon supporters. Jen. Jen. And Natalie. Natalie. And Natalie wrote us a message with hers. Oh, wow. We love messages. Just wanted to say... As evidenced by one hour and ten minutes and the break. Well, this is a hashtag third week episode. I mean... What? What's happening? This is starting it off right. A hashtag... (laughs) A hashtag third episode week. Oh, you almost had it. You gotta be quicker than that. You know, you keep it on the board and it almost never applies. And that was a perfect (laughs) use of that drop. Very good, sir. Oh, wow. Look at that. Just wanted to say thank you so much for doing what you guys do. I've been listening for about a year now, ever since Jesse went on a podcast that I really miss and used to enjoy. 
Now I can't imagine podcasts without the two of you. I look forward to every new episode. I would have to say that out of all the podcasts I listen to, trust me, I listen to many. You are my favorite. I finally decided to support the show. I wish I could give you more, but I just don't have the funds. Anyways, thanks again. And you both are the best part. That is seriously. I say it all the time. That makes me emotional. (laughs) And it's that's not a thing I just say. There's really, you know, I'm a little teary that I love responses and messages like, I mean, who wouldn't love a message like that? That's awesome. Yeah, well, we have fun knowing that you guys have fun listening to us. That's really great. And we also love hearing from people that we've never heard from that listen, that have been listening for a year. And yeah. we never heard from Natalie. Yeah, so that's yeah, yeah. great. Um, we really appreciate it. And we, we hear it a lot, especially about the... Um, sorry, it's this amount or whatever. Yeah, that's what I wanted to yeah, make a point about. Please don't ever think that or not say that. Not only that, if it puts you in a tough spot to give... Yeah, absolutely not. Don't give. Yeah, no. Do not be on Patreon if it's a bomber for you. Right. If you're... If five or ten... And listen, I get it. I have been in, in financial uh, tenuous times. For sure. If five bucks a month is not a deal for you, right. then do not do it. Right. Put that in your gas tank. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. 100%. Uh, we're only looking... If you if you have it in you and it's not a big deal and 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 you appreciate what we do enough to, to, to donate to the show, to help produce the show... For sure. That's what we're talking about. Yeah. We're not asking you to make it harder on you if you're in a financial bind. Mm-hmm. So thank you very much for the, for the support on Patreon. Uh, it is a beautiful, beautiful thing. And... Uh, we hope for going into this next year to have all kinds of new shit we're going to be trying to to toy with uh, relative to Patreon. We're going to PatreCon. A lot of PatreCon on talk, but here <laughs> uh, next month, is it right? Uh, November 1st to the 4th. Or yeah, something. we'll be in Los Angeles at PatreCon, which mm-hmm. is a, a, a conference for, for creators. I don't think it's for uh, people who donate on Patre- Patreon. But anyway... And th- there's all kinds of classes and shit that they can, their ideas, and we get to talk to different creators, and uh, we are excited to come up with ways that we can serve you better and uh, and grow the Patreon family. Um, we we love you guys. We appreciate every single goddamn one of you, and you know, every time, every moment we have behind these microphones to communicate with you and further the conversation through voicemails and emails and go in an hour and change just talking with you guys. It means it means the world to us. Stalemocracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So speaking of Heidi Heidkamp, the United States Senator from North Dakota, who is in a very tight re-election race. Is that how you say it? Re-election race? (laughs) Re-election campaign? Yeah, a race for re-election. I mean, she she may have signed her death warrant. Yeah, the Uh, chances are fading. (laughs) Yes, her re-election chances are fading because, like we talked about earlier, she announced that she was going to vote against Brett Kavanaugh's confirmation. Yeah, she got emotional. You, you can't really hear it in the audio, but when you're watching it, her eyes are getting red. Her They're welling up with tears. It was a very, very visceral and real moment 
during this interview. It's a lifetime appointment. This isn't a political decision. If this were a political decision for me, I certainly would be deciding this the other way. Um, but, uh, you know, there's an old saying, history will judge you, but most importantly, you'll judge yourself. And that's really what I'm saying. I can't get up in the morning and look at the life experience that I've had and say yes to Judge Kavanaugh. That is exactly what I was referencing yeah. in my sloppy point is that she <laughs> is that she is saying if this was a political decision, I would be voting the other way because I need to keep my seat. But yeah. this is not that for me. Yeah. And her brother came out and said, listen, uh, yeah, she's probably going to lose now, but she needs to get up and look at herself in the mirror every morning. Yeah. So there is there are people that are in government right now who have a backbone. Their name is not Lindsey Graham. Yeah, Their name is him. not Rand Paul, uh, not Jeff Flake, right? All of these people are not included in that. But we have a glimpse of it here in Heidi Heitkamp, who is getting emotional because she knows that she's going to lose this position now because she decided to do the right thing. Unless the, the, the citizens of North Dakota step up and do the right thing because they have a woman of conviction. Yes. Of conscience. Yes. Who's here. sacrificing her own power. Yeah. Because right. she feels so strongly that she needs to do the right thing. On the other hand, you have a guy like Joe Manchin from West Virginia who is either a sexist jerk-off fuck who doesn't understand the struggles of women or he's worried about himself and getting elected, re-elected to the Senate or maybe both. But he's certainly not someone who is a man of ideals and a man of, of principles. And he's going to do the right thing despite the way that the political winds blow. Democratic senator for West Virginia who voted to confirm That's right. Brett Kavanaugh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Not good. Certainly not good. So as I, I'm sure, I mean, we didn't go into this. I didn't know we were going to go an hour with listener communication. Not complaining. I love it. I, seriously, it's, it's awesome. Hashtag third episode week. Uh, um, what? We didn't announce that Kavanaugh was confirmed, but I'm sure everybody coming into this knew. Yeah, there were like 10 alerts on the phone when it happened. Right. Constant stream. He was confirmed not only in opposition to everything we learned during the hearing and the testimony of, of Christine Ford and the... The admonition of the American Bar Association coming out and saying no, that they needed a full FBI report. We're not even getting into the fact that the FBI investigation was a fucking sham perpetrated by the White House. Because the White House really sets the parameters. It's not that the FBI chose to be underhanded. They got to do what they're told. They don't have it in them from a statutory standpoint to say fuck you to the White House and do their own thing. You, they got to follow what the executive uh, branch says. We're not going to talk about that. <laughs> Although we almost just tripped right into the hole. There were so many reasons why the Republicans should not consider Brett Kavanaugh. There are many other wildly, ridiculously, dangerously conservative justices, potential justices that they could have chosen. In addition, like they, they didn't have to like do another vet. They, if he really went through and looked at all these candidates and interviewed candidates, they could have said, okay, yeah, fuck you. We're withdrawing your nomination, and we're going right on to Christine Barrett, 
whatever her name is. They could have gone right on to the next one, who's just as radical as Brett Kavanaugh, minus the rape. Allegedly. You know what I mean? Amy Coney Barrett. Amy Coney Barrett. Yeah, what did I say? I don't remember because I was trying to search for the actual name. <laughs> so anyway, there, there, there's many others they could have gone with. It's not like he's, oh, it's the only one. It has to be Bart O'Kavanaugh. But there were so many reasons why they shouldn't have chosen him, including a former Supreme Court Justice, John Paul Stevens, lifetime Republican, nominated to the court by a Republican. He even said, yeah, no, no good. At that time, I thought he had... Definitely the qualifications for uh, to, be, to be sit on the Supreme Court and should be confirmed if he was ever selected. But um, I've, I've changed my views for, for reasons that have no, really no relationship to his uh, intellectual ability or his, his record as a federal judge. He's a fine federal judge and he should have been confirmed uh, when he was a nominee. But I think that his performance during the hearings caused me to change my mind. So he's not even saying, yeah, he's a rapey douche. He shouldn't be on the court. He's saying that Bart O'Kavanaugh's performance during the confirmation hearings, when he's screaming and yelling, red-faced, frothing at the fucking mouth, no good. Then and there, he disqualified himself. For John Paul Stevens, it's not even the fact that he's a partisan political actor participating in the potential or or purported takedown, attempted takedown of Bill Clinton, uh, which I think was justified, by the way. I'm not even saying that's not justified. Bill Clinton is a sexual predator. He should have been removed. But that doesn't mean... That uh, Brett, Ka- I keep wanting to call him Bart. That doesn't mean Brett Kavanaugh should be on the Supreme Court just because he's on the Federal Court of Appeals right now. It, it doesn't qualify you. I don't believe he's qualified to be on the fucking bench at all. Well, this whole thing has been about entitlement. These people, uh, Brett Kavanaugh, they are groomed from the beginning of their careers yes. based on the position of privilege that they were born into. Um, they are groomed from the beginning to become this high-status individual as and obtain these jobs. As evidenced by all those little lines during the confirmation hearing. Right. and so I worked my butt off. I deserve this. Right. So what you saw was entitlement. Someone who believed that this was the end goal. This is where they started. They did everything right in, in the steps on the way to the, this career, except for all of the Bardo Kavanaugh stuff. Yeah. Um, but... <laughs> largely um people who come from these privileged backgrounds feel that consequences will not find them yeah because well, they can evade them th- because they have right. money that to escape right. them that's exactly right um so he wasn't about to let it catch up with him now because he's worked so hard to finally get to this place yeah and so that's really what we saw was he felt entitled to this position and that's kind of the most disgusting thing about this is that again another dude like this has been rewarded with power just like Donald Trump that's exactly you right you watch Donald Trump for that from that podium anytime he's at the podium and i just think this is the guy we rewarded with power 
him. Yeah. Why did you guys do this? <laughs> Listen, I felt the same way about Hillary Clinton. but it, Rewarding her with power yeah, as well. But you got a binary choice. Who am I willing to reward the power to? And it was clearly her over him. Although it still made me pain inside. That God damn it, why is it her? But you got to do the right thing in those cases. And Donald Trump is not worthy of the presidency. Not from a qualification standpoint. I mean, God, we're not going to rehash this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, come on. What am I doing? Wait, so- this is something new. I want to hear more about this. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's go in. Let's go into that real quickly. There was a there was a clip of Donald Trump, and from the video, it appears that he was um, on Air Force One and asked a question about all the women across the country, the millions of women across the country who feel uh, devastated by this decision, and he discounts it out of hand and instead relies on his own stupid fucking harebrained reality that that's not the case. I don't think they are. I don't think they are. I think actually that women, if you look, if you look at the biggest fans, and I can tell you that the people that spoke to me most is really in the strongest of terms in his favor were women. Women. Women were outraged at what happened to Brett Kavanaugh. So this outraged. is outraged. Women were outraged, Brittany. Yeah. At what happened to Brett Kavanaugh. Well, you saw the women for Kavanaugh bus that had like two women on it and 50 men. <laughs> I, saw, I saw a lot of dudes with women for Kavanaugh shirts on. Like, What are you doing? Yeah, it was a little confusing. Was Charlie Kirk running that operation? A bunch of fucking morons. Probably. Uh, this Incels is, for Kavanaugh. This is the new, well, it isn't new, but this is the talking point that you're hearing from Donald Trump, but also people like Mitch McConnell. Uh, They're trying to disregard the number of women we saw protesting out in in front of the Supreme Court, um, harassing senators in the hallways. I mean that in a good way. I know harassment has a negative connotation. Well, he's not using even harassment. He's saying like attacking and assaulting. He's using language that is just so ridiculously hyperbolic that it's... It's just off the charts. Yeah, they're try- but they're trying to disregard how important or how much momentum this movement has. Yeah, I think they may have fucked themselves. Trying to minimize its impact. Yeah. Uh, he, since you just brought that up, he, here's a here's an interview with Mitch McConnell. Um, I'm going to break this up into like three parts, I think, or whenever it pisses Brittany or me off, we're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna stop it and talk about this jackassery because this on Face the Nation is. Just a fucking travesty. We go now to Senate Republican leader Mitch McConnell, who joins us from Louisville, Kentucky this morning. Mr. Leader, I'm going to start with something you said to The Washington Post. You said, I want to thank the mob because they've done the one thing we were having trouble doing, which is energizing our base. Who is the mob? Well, the people that were attacking our members at their homes and in the halls. Um, It was uh, really quite a display of aggressiveness. Uh, far beyond uh, what I would consider peaceful protesting. Uh, They were trying to intimidate members of the Senate, uh, not only in our home uh, states, but also up here, actually in in the Capitol and at our homes here in Washington. And I'm really proud of my members for not knuckling under to those kind of mob-like tactics. 
Is it possible? In- All right, we're stopping it before I thought we would. Let me write down this last thing. This is how the show works, everybody. <laughs> so, notice that language. Attacking members. The aggressiveness. Trying to intimidate members with mob-like tactics. This goes beyond what I think is peaceful protesting. Well, if it wasn't fucking peaceful, what was it? Did anyone have their hands laid on them? Was there violence? Did a car smash into somebody and kill them? Yeah. No, that did not happen. This was peaceful protest, you fucking moron. This is absolutely what peaceful protest looks like. Just because you were inconvenienced and afraid to walk freely throughout the the halls of the Senate doesn't mean it wasn't peaceful. Which, by the way, is something that they should get used to because that's actually something that should be happening to them. You represent the people. That's you're, right. You're accountable to the people. You can't expect to go to work and uh, make life difficult for those people and have them just not care and not come to where you are and tell you how they feel. Right. They're not laying their hands on you. Listen, if this was what happens, like what happened with Orrin Hatch... Is this not peaceful? Yeah, these women are yelling at him, but he's got guards all around him. He's not in danger. It is aggressive? Yes. Is it attacking? No. Why aren't you brave enough to talk to us and exchange it with us? Don't you wave your hand at me. I wave my hand at you. When you grow up, I'll be When I grow up, we grow up. I was getting ready to say, there's not even profanity. (laughs) (laughs) And then you hear the beep. Um, But, you know, Orrin Hatch is 84. He's he's strong and he's capable. He's made it this far. He can handle a little bit of yelling. Okay. They're grown men. If they want to be tough guys. Yeah. They can be fucking tough guys. They can even handle a naughty word being thrown their way every once in a while. Uh, I'm sure it offended his Mormon sensibilities. Oh, what? I'm sure it did not. I cannot believe it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what is he talking about with aggressiveness and attacking? Right. No one's attacked. Mm-hmm. I'll show you a fucking attack. Yeah, but this fits with the whole. I won't show anybody an attack. Okay, good. Way. Thank you. Just for disclaimers purposes. Please. Um, <laughs> I didn't catch that. I'm glad you did. Um, yes. Well, this fits with the whole narrative. Even Donald Trump is now tweeting. The president of the United States is now through official president communications tweets. They are official. Yeah. Um, talking about Soros, George Soros paying protesters. It's so goddamn dumb. I get that accusation all the time on YouTube uh-huh. that I'm being I'm a I'm a paid Soros shill. You yeah. know what? If George Soros came to me with some for some money, you think I'd be fucking needing Patreon support? <laughs> I'd have Soros cash. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. We'd have a mattress made out of Soros cash. <laughs> in your mind, for a senator to have voted against Judge Kavanaugh in good conscience. Oh, I'm sure. I'm not going to question the motivation of the senator's votes. It was a close vote, an important vote. I think we were able to establish that the presumption of innocence is still important in this country and that the Senate is not going to be intimidated by these kinds of tactics. Senator, the um, uh, President Trump said that Lisa, Senator Lisa Murkowski is never going to recover. Should she be punished for voting against Judge Kavanaugh? 
Look, I, I'd rather talk about the success that we had. Um, Senator Mikowski is a Republican member of our conference in good standing. Uh, we're happy that we won. I'm sorry that we lost her, uh, but we got uh, the votes of all the other members of my conference and those who wanted the, uh, the additional FBI investigation for a week took a look at the report, found no corroborating evidence, and were comforted uh, to vote for Judge Kavanaugh. As Senator Collins' uh, speech was one of the most consequential and outstanding speeches I've ever heard in the Senate in support of Judge Kavanaugh. Let me ask you this. Uh, Joe Manchin voted for Judge Kavanaugh. Will you uh, recommend to the president that he not campaign against Joe Manchin, who's up in 2018? <laughs> Joe Manchin's still a Democrat. And we're trying to hold the majority. We appreciate his vote for Judge Kavanaugh. I think it was the right thing to do. Uh, but we're trying to win seats. And ironically, the behavior of his first uh, Democrats on the Senate Judiciary Committee and then the overreach of the uh, protesters at the Capitol have actually energized the Republican base. So did you hear that? He was just asked. So you're still going to primary, you're still going to fight against, you're still going to campaign against, you're still going to try to take the seat of Joe Manchin. He's like, well, yeah, fuck yeah, of course we are. Fuck that guy. He's in a different political party. He saved our nominee for the Supreme Court, but yeah, fuck him. Mm -hmm. We've no loyalty to him. We owe him nothing. So fuck Joe Manchin. You know what? I owe him nothing either. Quote, end quote, Mitch McConnell. I'm paraphrasing. Yes. I have the right to paraphrase on my own program. That is correct. Brittany Page. That is as correct. As do you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just don't ever take the liberties <laughs> that I do. Also, I've seen this around. This equation of, of uh, this equating of, of, of Susan Collins' speech as some like, oh, it's going to go down in the annals of history. of One of the greatest speeches in all of the, of, of the Senate. Uh-huh. Get out of here. Yeah. This was this was kowtowing. Mm-hmm. This was backpedaling. This was making excuses for the decision that was to come. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you could tell that she had her mind made up. Yes. Weeks ago. Yeah. Um, but along with what you're saying, I had someone tell me that uh, their, their parent, trying to be general, recommended that they watch Susan Collins' speech um, on the floor and that it was as important or would go down in history as as important as the Gettysburg Address. <laughs> yeah. Are you kidding me? No. The Susan Collins speech mm-hmm. covering her tracks. <laughs> the Gettysburg Address. Yes. <laughs> yes. Wow, well, that would be the most. Uh, it, it might be the most important speech of her career mm-hmm. uh, because she's done. So if she decides to run again, she's fucked. Mm-hmm. She will not win. Yeah, this will not be forgotten. Yeah, so maybe the most momentous mm-hmm. speech, but certainly not as Im- to, to compare it to but Lincoln's Gettysburg Address. You know what I mean? Is goddamn ridiculous. Like, what do you even do with that? You yeah. know what I'm saying? I you mean, laugh. I think you laugh. There's no way to. Uh, have a, a reasonable conversation. Yeah, um, no, for sure. To sway someone who believes that Susan Collins <laughs> um, gave a speech and is going to be remembered as like Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> well, these are the same morons. I mean, honestly, who believe that Donald Trump is Lincoln esque. Mm-hmm. 
that he has the moral fortitude. The leadership qualities. Yeah. Ugh. It may be up there with the Gettysburg Address. <laughs> Speaking of moral leaders of our times, more Mitch McConnell coming your way. Particularly in the red states where we're trying to pick up seats out across America. So I want to thank, I want to thank the... Uh, other side for the tactics that have allowed us to kind of energize and get involved our own uh, voters. Let me ask you about that. You you said after the tax cut bill passed, if we cannot sell tax cuts, we should be in another line of work. Why, after reducing regulations, passing a tax cut bill, was the Republican base not energized and it required this? Well, I mean, we are still talking about those issues, and I do think it's important, but everybody knows how energized the Democrats side is for all a whole variety of different reasons. <laughs> and so our energy and enthusiasm was lagging behind uh, theirs until this. And I think this gave us the motivation and the opportunity to have the kind of turnout in this off-year election that would help us hold the Senate. Let me ask you about a piece of legislation. As everybody's been more aware now of sexual assault, senators have talked about bringing up again the bill that would change the rules for investigating sexual assault in the Senate. It's passed with bipartisan support, but it's stalled. Is there going to be action on that now? Yeah, I sure hope so. I mean, that we've had difficulty negotiating our, our differences between the House and Senate, but I, that's something I know will get done before the end of the year. But and isn't by the it way, up to you, Mr. Of, Leader? No, no, it's not up to me. We're negotiating a, a solution between the House and Senate, and I expect that we will get a result here before the end of this uh, Congress. It's also important to underscore that in spite of our big fight over this nomination and over taxes last year, there's been an awful lot of bipartisan cooperation. We passed two overwhelmingly, by, by overwhelming margins, two bills just last week in the middle of the Kavanaugh uh, dispute on opioids uh, and a five-year extension of the FAA. And we've also done appropriations better on a bipartisan basis than any time but since the 1990s. So the notion yeah. that the Senate is somehow broken over this is simply inaccurate. So I'm going to pause it there. Because we're getting ready to move into a whole different arena. And that is calling into question the tactics used here juxtaposed against the tactics used when Merrick Garland was nominated in the last few months of, of President Obama's term. Right. Because Donald Trump is in the, he's soon to be in the final few months of his first term mm -hmm. or term of the presidency. Right. So he's, he's asking that question. So... Are you going to be following the same rules that you followed for uh, President Obama now that you're in power and you have a Republican president? Right. But I want everyone to notice here how John Dickerson has facts. He's armed with facts. Yeah. And Mitch McConnell is going to come back and basically just talk about how he feels. And this is always... I, I, apparently he hasn't heard that facts don't care about his feelings. Right. <laughs> this is always the accusation that conservatives make toward liberals. That liberals just talk about how they feel. And they don't talk about facts. Well, listen to this exchange. And then we'll figure out who cares about facts and who doesn't. But Mr. Leader, those things have happened. But this is of a different order. And Democrats are pointing not only to the way this was handled, but... In the history of partisanship on the Supreme Court, your decision to block Merrick Garland uh, is something they see as, a, as having kicked off a new stage in the partisanship associated with Supreme Court nominees. Yeah, they don't know much history. You have to go back to 1880 to find the last time 
a Senate controlled by a different party from the president confirmed a Supreme Court justice to a vacancy created in the middle of a presidential election. They also conveniently forgotten that Joe Biden said in 1992, when he was chairman of the Judiciary Committee, the Democrats control the Senate, Republican in the White House. If a vacancy occurred, they wouldn't fill it. They also conveniently forgot that Chuck Schumer and Harry Reid, 18 months before the end of Bush 43, said if a Supreme Court vacancy occurred, they wouldn't fill it. Talk about hypocrisy. Right. But, Mr. Leader, I don't think that's right. In 1956, Eisenhower nominated Brennan. The the 84th Congress was a Democrat-controlled. And also on the Biden rule, Joe Biden was talking in the abstract. There was no nominee. No nominee was blocked. And he said to not have the nomination come up before the election, but that it could come up after the election. And so what Democrats say when they hear you doing this is they say he's creating new rules to essentially do what he wants to do. And as you've written in your book, The Long Game, when you do that, it actually hurts democracy. Yeah, well, that's not exactly, that's not at all what happened, John. You're, you're completely misconstruing what happened. What I gave you is the history of this. I know the history of this. I've spent a lot of time on this throughout my career. What I did was entirely consistent with what the history of the Senate's been in that situation going back to 1880. Well, I, I think the 1956 example and also in 1968, later in the election cycle, when a Democratic president put somebody forward, the Republican leader worked with him to get that person a hearing and get him towards the Supreme Court, which is not something that you did. A vote at the time. Then there was a Democrat. Then there was a Democrat in the White House and a Democratic Senate. But the Republican leader at the not, time tried to help the Democratic me, president. John. John, you are not listening to me. The history is, is exactly as I told you. Well, we have we have a disagreement about the history, but I greatly yeah, we appreciate, we greatly we appreciate you being with us uh, here today, Mr. Leader. Thanks so much. OK, thank you. And then they had to do the good old Internet disagreement, facts versus feelings. Well, let's just agree to disagree. Yeah, yeah. Which classic. Yeah. You know, the, what else is a classic? Is it? Uh, I'm McConnell, and I'm talking about the history, y'all. <laughs> well, you don't know. Listen, John, John, you're misconstruing the history. I know the history, John. Yeah, but again, he uh, didn't provide any specific rebuttal at to all. what John Dickerson yeah. said. What is he saying that's wrong? Well, uh, there was a Democrat, and then there was a Democrat. Well, I know the history, John. Yeah, that was his disagreement. I know the history. I disagree. Okay, cool. <laughs> we have a lot to work with here. Really appreciate it. What a great guest on a TV show you are. Rock solid, bro. <laughs> chill. So, listen, um, I think we're going to end it there. We have an asshole today. I was going to talk about the New York Times tax thing, but since this is hashtag third episode week... Let's do a deeper dive. I'm going to spend um, the next couple of days really getting into that because I want to give a, a full context and accounting, no pun intended, on exactly how dramatic this hundreds of millions of dollars in tax fraud that went on with Donald Trump and his dad. This is an impeachable fucking thing, and I don't want it swept under the rug. So we're going to use our little tiny corner of the Internet 
to make sure people that continue to talk about it because it's important. Yeah, it really has been swept under the rug. So I think that it is important that we do that. In fact, I posted a link to the Facebook page about it being buried in the news cycle. And Facebook buried it. And Facebook buried it through the algorithm. Right. So yeah, make, not by choice. Make sure that you follow us on social media at Dollamore at Brittany E. Page. That's Brittany. How did that girl say it? Oh, yeah. You even talk about that at your at your flu shot. She goes, Brittany. Brittany. Is Brittany here? <laughs> so Brittany E. Page uh, on Twitter, at I Doubt It Podcast. That's, those handles are the same for Twitter and Instagram. And then make sure you like the Facebook page, I Doubt It with Dollamore Podcast. And wait, wait. The, the, the Facebook page. I doubt it with Dollamore. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, and sorry, sorry. throw us some likes on the links. If you see the episode, like it because it shoves it into other people's feeds and it tells the algorithm, hey, this is something people care about. Yes. Show it to other people. Yes. The it's, Facebook page, that's where it matters. I mean, it matters everywhere, the likes, but really on the Facebook page because that's how we grow. We're always doing battle against that algorithm. Goddamn. So, yeah. Thanks a lot, zuck. Facebook. Zuck. Yeah. Always trying to zuck us. <laughs> It's the asshole of today. Uh, coaches and parents of young children playing the football. That is exactly right. <laughs> now with that brawl on the Pee Wee football field, coaches and parents caught on camera throwing punches. Amy is here with more and... We see that's in front of their children. Amy. I know. It's so hard yeah. to watch. And one parent actually said some kids were crying watching this all happen. These are adults. They're supposed to be looking up to. And sadly, this is not the first time this has happened at a youth sporting event. The post-game handshake is supposed to teach good sportsmanship. But these coaches from two rival peewee football teams did the opposite, throwing punches in a wild on-field fight in Virginia. Watch as this man shoved from behind, igniting a wild string of haymakers. One man grabbed by the neck and thrown to the ground, all as children as young as nine years old stand by. Unfortunately, I think uh, the heat of the battle, if that's what you want to call it, just kind of got the best of, uh, of a few on each side. And, uh, Chris Davis was one of the coaches trying to break up the fight. He says it all started from a simple misunderstanding about substitute players. Uh, I'd say a majority on both sides were... We're really trying to defuse the situation and, you know, tempers got the best of just a couple people and, and I think all those parties involved regret that at this point. It's a scene that has become all too common. Over the summer, parents and coaches from two softball teams threw down in an all-out brawl. Listen to that. In Florida, these two coaches decided to turn this little league field into a boxing ring. And this parent at a wrestling match even shoved a child onto the mat. Adults behaving badly has become such a problem that one youth sports referee in Oklahoma is taking action. Brian Barlow offering $100 for videos that show parents acting foul on the sidelines. Barlow then posts them to Facebook. You are horrible! You are horrible! The children are watching. The children are sponges. The children are becoming what they see, and we have to reverse this trend. We have to. Amen. According to police, no one was seriously hurt in this latest incident. No charges will be filed, but I think it's important to remember everybody has a cell phone camera, and public shaming might be just as effective as charges. And it's a game, and they are kids. It's and not, they're watching. Oh, that's crazy, that yeah. phrase, heat of the battle. Yeah, there was no battle. Yeah. football game. Yeah. 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 
But it was good to see how many were trying to stop. We're, we're stepping in and trying to stop it. Yes, Not all of them were Hopefully the threat of being oh. outed for acting badly will Gosh. maybe perhaps make adults act better. We'll see. One can hope. All right. Well, thank <laughs> you for that, Amy. That woman is all about public shame. Did you hear? She kept yes. reinforcing that point. No, seriously. She really put it was, online. Seriously. Yeah. Fuck these people. Do we have their names? We need to out them. <laughs> um, if only these parents and coaches were more concerned about like CTE than the kids winning a football game. Yeah, it's well. Yeah, that's for sure something that we could talk about on another episode. But uh, <laughs> it, it is a weird. It's a weird thing that, that you want to instill sportsmanship and all this into your kids, and then you act like fucking children, like maniac, spoiled fucking brats. With seriously watching the clip, it was a. Uh, I mean, you heard it. It sounds like pandemonium. Just listening to it, it is. <laughs> more crazy watching it i will say these people if you go watch the video none of these men are effective fighters no <laughs> there's a lot of windmill techniques yeah, a lot of haymaker <laughs> mcgee's man um i don't think people were landing the pun these people have never been in a fight <laughs> I, there may have been a couple of dudes who swung so wildly that they threw themselves off balance that and happened fell on for the ground. sure yeah <laughs> Uh, so I don't know if they were all getting drunk before the game or what was going on. Who knows? On. They're clearly terrible fucking people. Well, Parents. This is this is not for sure. It's a kid's game. Please stop it with this. Let the kid be a kid and have a fun time at their game. Um, now, they probably shouldn't be playing football, but we can talk about that later. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, keep it together and uh, hopefully... This becomes a thing of the past with all the public shaming that is going to happen to these parents. <laughs> We're going to end it there, everybody. Dick. Listen, we love you guys. We appreciate you. Thank you for listening as often as you do. Thank you for engaging with the show as often as you do. Thank you for connecting with one another like you do. We've got the the, the Dollamore listener group, I think is what the official name of it if you search it online on, on Facebook. Um that's a great place where where people who listen to the sh- it's not a place where if you don't listen to the show, it's a private group. So you gotta be a listener to the show to even be in it. And it's a great place where people come together and we really like to foster that connection and that community. That's what this entire show is about with all the listener communication and long shows just like this. So thank you. We appreciate it. We also appreciate those who give of their of their treasure, give of their hard-earned dollars to support the show on Patreon, to buy things on Amazon. Uh, all of that is very, very meaningful to us, and we appreciate every little bit. I have not yet dropped the phone number one time. Because the whole timeline of the show is out of whack because we normally do an hour. It's hashtag third episode. And here we are. 657-464-7609. And of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. <laughs> we look forward to hearing from you on episode 455 Britney Page. Also, can we quickly say? Oh uh, yeah, it's been a rough couple of days yes. for us. Yes, um, very stressful. A lot going on, and we thank you guys. Outside of the Kavanaugh stuff, we'll talk about it someday. Yeah, we thank you guys for hanging in there with us and understanding. 
and giving us that space when we can't put out an episode. We really appreciate it. Thank you so so much for always supporting us um, and sending us words of encouragement and things like that. It, it really means a lot to us, and we really appreciate it. Oh. Well, we'll see you next time. For Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollimore, and this has been I Doubt It. Could you turn around and have a look at my position, please? <laughs> <laughs>